good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today. All of you who are watching online, we welcome you, and we're so grateful that you're here. And everybody that is in person on all three of our campuses, it is so great to see people in the flesh. And we're so grateful that you're here and a part of this service. Christianity is far more than just talk. Christianity is about our walk, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 27, he says, only conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come in the flesh or I'm absent, I hear about you, that you are standing firm in one mind, that you're striving together for the faith of the gospel. This morning, I want to talk to you just about the first part of that verse, of verse 27, only conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. None of us are perfect. I guess all of us have figured that out by now, right? And every day we live, we we get yet another confirmation that we aren't perfect. But one day we will be. One day when either Christ comes to us and we see Jesus or we go to him, when we see Jesus, 1 John chapter 2 says, at the very moment that we see Jesus Christ, we will be totally changed into the image of Christ. We will be like Jesus and we will be perfect. Is there an amen anywhere to that? I look forward to that. I know you do too. But between now and then, But we are striving in our life. We have a job to do. We need to grow. We need to grow spiritually. We need to, and what that means, we need to grow in character. We are in the process of being transformed. And some of the the rewards we will get in heaven is based upon what we have done in our striving to be more and more and more and more like Jesus Christ. And Paul is talking about that in that verse of Philippians 1, 27. But there's a second thing that is really behind the scene in all of this, and it's this idea that we are already citizens of heaven. And Paul is saying, I want you to act like it. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you and I, when we came to know Jesus as our Savior, became citizens of heaven already. And Paul is saying, I want you to act like it. I want you to act like you belong in heaven. I want you to act like God is your heavenly Father. And I want you to act like every person that knows Jesus as Savior, no matter what country they're from, no matter what language they speak, no matter what shade of their skin, no matter where they stand in politics, or even if they eat okra, I want you to treat them with love and kindness and recognizing that's your brother in Christ. That is your sister in Christ and that you have a heavenly family and that you are committed to that family. This is the whole idea that Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 when he says, we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. See the word are, it does not mean we will be one day, it means we are right now. We are right now citizens of heaven. And what I'm describing this with this is that we have dual citizenship. 
We are citizens of this country. And we want to do our very best as citizens of this country. We have a citizenship of America. If you live in the United States or wherever it is around the world that you are listening from, you have a, you have a responsibility, a citizenship of that country. But our greatest allegiance is our citizenship to God in heaven. I don't know whether the name Patricia Heaton rings any bells for you, but she is a, she is a television star and she is the woman who played Deborah in Everyone Loves Raymond. Everybody Loves Raymond. Remember the show of the first of the 20, 20th, 21st century? And she's the one that played Deborah. But what you might not know about her is that she is a deeply committed follower of Jesus Christ. And she wears that. She lets everybody know. She, she wants to be a witness in a place that there's very few people witnessing in Hollywood, California. And she strives to live that publicly and openly as, as well as privately. And just after the debacle, the shameless debacle that happened in, in, in our nation's capital, she came out with... I think it was three different tweets. I don't get tweets. I just read a story about it. And she came out with three different tweets and you put all of it together and this is basically it. Now these aren't her words, but this is what she was saying. She was saying there is so much hatred. There is so much anger everywhere. So much, some people don't even know what their, their hatred is about or their anger is about. It's just everywhere. But she said, I want to remind my brothers and sisters in Christ that we have a dual citizenship. We have a citizenship in America and we want to do our very best. We want to be the best citizens that we can be for this country. But our greatest allegiance is in heaven. And that God is calling us to treat each other with love and kindness. She got criticized for that. How can the world, can she be criticized for that? But everybody is criticized about everything these days. But she came out so strongly, this dual citizenship. She was saying exactly what Paul is saying in the book of Philippians. I want you to act like you are a citizen of your country, but I want you to act like you're also a citizen of heaven. I want you to act like God is your heavenly father and everyone that knows Jesus is your brother and sister in Christ and you treat them that way. And how is it that we do that? The greatest way we do it is that we grow a lifestyle of character. Character's the key. Character simply refers to the moral strength and courage that we have on the inside of us. It is the decision of an attitude that says, I will not live my life just for what I can get out of it and just what I think I ought to have, but I will live my life striving to do the right thing in the eyes of my heavenly Father. And it changes everything. Character is, is when we're being honest when we're being loyal, when, when we're being loving, when we're demonstrating compassion and generosity and courage and self-discipline, when we're being faithful and humble and patient and respectful and kind, all of these are characteristics of character. 
Jesus said, you don't have to remember all these things. We can remember one thing. There's one key idea. It's called the golden rule. It is the, the key trait, the golden rule. You do unto others as you want them to do to you. Not as they do to you, but as you want them to do to you. And you and I do to others in every aspect, the generosity, the kindness, the, all of this, if we will do to each other the way we want people to treat us, we will be living by the golden rule. We will have the character of Christ. Jesus was saying, your character is your legacy. Not how much money you have in the bank. Not how much success you have in your business or a pastor in a church. Not any of these other things. Your legacy is your character that you demonstrate in your family, in your job, in every other place in your life. And when we do, people respect us. Even people that don't like us and there can't be but one or two, but even people that don't like you, if they see character in your life, they will still respect you. I came across a verse, and I, you, know, you read these verses, you read the, the verses of scripture, but they don't lock in, and, but suddenly this locked in, and I, and I was amazed by the scripture. You remember King Herod the Great, he is the Herod during baby Jesus. The, the wise men went to him, told him about Jesus being born. He's in Bethlehem. And now uh, he, uh, he comes, sends all these soldiers to kill all the babies and wanted to kill Jesus. But an angel came and appeared to Mary and, and Joseph and said, get out of town. And they ran for their lives. That was King Herod the Great. But a few years after that moment, Herod died. And his sons then took over different sections of his kingdom. And it was Herod Antipas, who then becomes the Herod during the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of uh, John the Baptist. It's that guy, it's Herod Antipas that this verse is talking about in Mark chapter six and verse 20. And Herod respected John the Baptist knowing that he was a good man and a holy man, so he kept him under his protection. Herod was disturbed whenever he talked with John, but even so, he liked to listen to him. Why was he so disturbed when he talked to John? Because he had stolen the wife of his brother. And now that had become the wife of Herod Antipas. And John stood against him. You are committing adultery. You should have not done this. And he is also p picking out other things that are in Herod's life. And he is coming against those things. And even though Herod didn't like him, notice the first part of the verse, he respected him. He respected him because of his character. You and I may know people that don't like us, but they'll still respect, respect us when we are women and men and teenagers and children of character. So how do you grow character? How do you do this? Well, the first thing that you got to do is you got to make the decision that a person of character will be who you are. When I was 28 years old, 
I went to be the pastor of uh, Henderson Hills Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. And it's just a great church. I love that church. You know, I love all my churches, but I love, love that church. And by the way, I feel exactly the same way at Sugar Creek. And I'm not just saying that because I'm standing up in front of you. I am telling you because it's true. In fact, Henderson Hills and Sugar Creek amazingly just lay out almost as identical churches. It is amazing what God did in both of these churches. And I went there, they just fired their pastor before, them, before me and they, they're just in such turmoil and God turned everything around. That church just grew like crazy and it became a mega church. It was just, it was the most fun thing I've ever done. All of these young adults were there. It was just an amazing, fun, wonderful time. But did you know when I went to be that pastor? of that church, I didn't turn to the young adults to be my advisors. I found three, no offense to young adults, but I went, I found three guys who were just amazing. They were, they were brilliant, they'd been successful, they were so wise, they so godly men of character. And they were in their latter 40s and their 50s and I went to them and they weren't on any committees. But I almost didn't make any decisions, any big decisions until I spent time with them and talked with them because I saw something in them that just attracted me to them. Stan Kelly was one of those guys. Stan Kelly died last year, but we became such close friends and he was such a godly man. Stan Kelly was the CEO of his company and he was... Uh, it was just wonderful. Over the nine years that I was the pastor of that church, I would run into people I mean, that, that were former employees of Stan Kelly and they didn't know me, I didn't know them in conversation. All of a sudden some connection happened. You worked for Stan Kelly. Yeah, I did. Tell me about Stan Kelly. I would always say that. Tell me about Stan Kelly. And every single time, without any question, every single time, those people that still work for him and those people who did not anymore work for them, and they didn't have to say one good thing about Stan, but I just raved about him. Oh, he was tough. He, he had all these demands of excellence, and you better work. You got to work hard. But he loved me. It was so obvious he loved my family. He was always fighting for me and helping me and coaching me on and he was standing up for me and they would just talk about how much they respected his character. John Thomas was another one of those guys and all of them were great men of character. But John Thomas one day came to me. He was in his 50s. I was 30 now, maybe 31 years old, came to my office and, and he said, Pastor, I want to tell you about a very difficult thing that I'm going through. It was the oil bus days in Oklahoma and uh, he's an architect. He owned his architectural firm and they were desperate for work, desperate for work. Because nobody was building anything in those days. The money was so scarce. And, but he got this contract. And they picked him to be the architect. And then once he got it, he discovered it was for a gambling organization. And he had a deep conviction against gambling. And he knew I did, and I do. I think it is the stealing of money, especially of the impoverished. But he, he got this contract, he needed the work, he desperately needed the work, and now what do I do? Because he said, my goal is to make gambling as effective and efficient as possible with this building. 
And he came to my office and he said, look, I, I have already made the decision I, I, and I already know you would do the same thing. And he explained what it was and he said, but I said, well, well then John, why are you coming and talking to me then? If you've already made the decision, you already know what I would think about it. And he said, well, the reason is because I want you to hold me accountable. Because I know I'm going to be tempted. Before I deny the contract, I know I'm going to be tempted and I just want you to hold me accountable. Can I tell you, when he left my office, I'm a 31-year-old guy. He's in his 50s. And I, and I looked at him and I thought, oh, my soul. I prayed so many times, oh, God, when I grow up, I want to be just like these men. I want their character. It was not their, their prosperity. It was not their leadership abilities. I want their character. You have to decide whether you will, will be a person, a woman, a man, a teenager of character. You got to make that decision. This is who I want to be. I want to be a cut above. I, I want to be someone that reflects Jesus. This is who I want to be. The second thing that must happen then is that you must determine that you will grow stronger in character every day because every single day of your life when you wake up, there will be new opportunities. You can, I can tell you, there's going to be new opportunities this afternoon. There's going to be new opportunities tomorrow morning to grow in character. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, train yourself to be godly. There's no difference between a godly person and an ungodly person except one thing. A godly person has made a decision they want to be a person of character. And every single time they run up against something, they choose the character route because they want to please God. They want to honor God. They want to do the right thing at this moment. It's the only difference between a godly person and an ungodly person. They're not super Christians, nothing of that. They've made a decision. I want to be a person of character. Okay, this is another opportunity and I choose it. The Bible says in Daniel chapter one, verse eight, but Daniel resolved to not defile himself. That word resolved is actually a Hebrew word that means to put strands together, kind of like this rope. And you see the rope, I, I don't recall exactly, it's around 1,800 pounds, is that even possible? But uh, there's, it's high, a high number of hundreds, I know it was over 1,000, maybe less than 2,000, that this has the strength to withstand. I mean, that's pretty powerful for a tiny little rope like this. But do you know why it does? Do you know why this has the ability to withstand so much pounds, so many, so many pounds and so much pressure? Because look at how it's created. You see, it is actually made of three ropes. See that? It's made of three ropes. And if you come to this rope, it is made of seven strands. Look at that. And they're all woven together. But if you open up each one of these, you open up, oh my soul, there are like, it's like a hundred, it's like 150 tiny little bitty strands that are so tiny, so small that they are smaller than a hair on your head. But you can break them easily. All these little things, you can break them. It's no problem. You don't have to be a muscle man to break any of these. 
But when you start putting them together and they start coming together, they form a, a little rope. And now it takes, it's, takes more muscles to, to, to break this. But when you start putting all six of these things together, something amazing happens. It becomes so much stronger than you would have ever dreamed these tiny little hairs would ever be. Every single day of your life, and many, 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 many times on that day, you'll have the opportunity to open the door for somebody as you're going into a store, for smiling at somebody, for being kind to someone, of being generous, of, of being loyal, of being faithful, of being honest. They're just tiny little things that don't really matter. Come on, it's, it's not that big of a thing. No, it, not, uh, the in, in between, by themselves, they're not a big thing. But what happens is, is that every time you open the door for someone, every time you're, you're kind, you're gracious to another person, oh, that's okay, no problem. Somebody cuts in on you in traffic and you have some options and you get into a habit of the, the right options. Get in the habit of it. What happens is, is that little by little, you make these little bitty decisions that are nothing. But what happens is, is that they start growing. They start coming together. And all of a sudden, this is becoming who you are. You're becoming kind. You're becoming gracious. You're becoming forgiving. You're becoming a robe of character. It's just little bitty things that don't matter, that don't seem to be anything. Every time you make the right decision, celebrate. I did not overreact to that driver who is such a jerk. I mean, a, an honorary person. I did not do it. I did not do it. And every single time you do it, what you're doing is you're weaving strands together and you're becoming a stronger rope. And look at you, it isn't long until you become this. And people are looking at your life and they see your character and they're amazed by you. Oh, I want to be like you. <laughs> because I see something that you have that I want, that I need in my life. In Side, your heart celebrated. It's not all wrong to celebrate something good you do. Just with you and God, don't put it up on a billboard or anything, but, but between you and God, celebrate, oh God, look what you're doing. Look what you're doing in my life. And that's what it was, he was talking about in Daniel chapter one, verse eight. He was putting the strands together. You gotta make a decision. This is the kind of person I'm gonna be. And second of all, I'm gonna get all these opportunities and I'm going to choose tiny little things that don't mean anything, but they actually mean something when they add up. Third of all, expect to be, to be tested and fourth, be willing to pay the price for character. This is how you build character. Little by little by little by little, but all of a sudden strands are emerging and a rope is forming. Let character be your legacy. So that when people see you there, oh, wow, I want to be like you. 
Now I want to zero in on the toughest area, the hardest area of character. Live with integrity. Be a person others can trust. There were four high school guys who would carpool together to school and, and uh, they, one morning, they just goofing off. They didn't want to get to school. They knew they were late. <clears throat> and on, uh, when they'd gotten almost to the parking lot, school already started, they were all in the first, uh, the first uh, hour class together. And, and uh, they decided, here's what we're going to do. We're going to say that we got to have a flat tire. So they walk into the classroom and what's, hey, what, where were you guys? And they say to the teacher, we, we had a flat tire. We, you know, we all drive together. We had a flat tire. Oh, she said, okay. She went to her desk, she got four pieces of paper and four pencils and she said, I want every one of you to take your chair and put it in the corner, this corner, that one, the other one, and the other one, but I want you to turn your desk toward the corner. And here's a piece of paper. No speaking, no hand signals, I'm watching. Take you two seconds. Which tire went flat? <laughs> yeah, you already know, don't you? Proverbs 11 verse 3 says this. People who can't be trusted are destroyed by their own dishonesty. Lying sabotages relationships. Truth-telling produces trust-building. Deception destroys trust. You go to the bank and you, you're getting money out of the bank and the teller hands you the money. You don't even count it. You don't do anything. You just go. And then when you get away from the bank, you realize, uh-oh, she gave me $20 too much. So what do you do? What do you do? Oh, thank you, Jesus, for this extra $20 bill. No, that is not the idea. No. Been praying for money. No, no, that's not an answer to, to your prayer. That is not from God. You take the money back. When you have integrity, you pay your bills. When you have integrity, you keep your commitments. When you have integrity, you don't buy things you can't pay for. There was a well-to-do guy and his friend was a, a, a house builder and and uh, he was going through hard times. It was just tough times with house builders at that moment. And, and uh, he desperately needed a house to, to build. And this guy had compassion. And he said to his friend, you know what I'm going to do? I want you to build me a house. To do that, would you build me a house? And I'm going to give you $300,000 just for materials. $300,000 just for materials. And I want you to use the very best materials. I don't want you to cut any corners. I want you to do the very best of the best. So you figure out how big the house should be, and I want you to build this house for me. Great materials throughout. Guy said, I'll be glad to do that. So he started out. But then as he went, he started thinking, you know, he, my friend is never going to know. I, I could water down the concrete a little bit. I could use some, some uh, uh, materials that weren't that great. And if I did, he would never know it. And I could sort of skim some money off the top and put it in my pocket. And that's what he did. And by the time he got to the end of building the house, he had in his pocket about $40,000, $50,000. But on everything that someone would see, he used the best materials and it was beautiful and wonderful. So here comes the guy. The house is built. Come and look at your house. The guy came and it was beautiful. He did a great job on the things you can see. 
he handed to the fellow the keys and the fellow said to him, you know what, I didn't really need a house. I got a great house, I don't really want a house, but I wanted to do something special for you. Congratulations, here's the keys to your new house. And here's what I'm gonna say to you. You and I are building a house. First Corinthians 11 says you and I are building a house. We, we are sending building materials of acts of love and kindness toward God and others and we're sending it up to heaven, building materials. And we're building our house. So what are you sending? What acts of love and kindness, what acts of character are you sending? Or are you cutting some slack? Are you sort of getting cheap materials? Living one way in front of, in front of the church and in front of other Christians, but living a very different way as though God doesn't see. What materials are you sending up for your house in heaven? This is part of the reward that we'll get in heaven is how did we live this life? What was our character like? How well did we grow character in our lives? Your reputation is one of the most valuable things that you have. Proverbs chapter 22, verse one, a good name is worth more than great riches. I can trust that person. I may not agree with all of their opinions about things, but I can trust them. There's a benefit to living with integrity. Proverbs 2, 7, God, God is a shield to those who walk with integrity and people start coming against your life and pounding your life and criticizing your life. But there is this shield that God gives. It's your integrity. God is a shield to those who walk with integrity. Psalm 101, verse two, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. The people that know me best, the people I cannot fool, I will be a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a child, a sibling of integrity. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. How is it that I live with integrity? Tell the truth completely. Tell the truth consistently. And tell the truth with kindness. Speak the truth in a spirit of love. Dave Thomas, who's the founder of Wendy's, was a deeply devoted follower of Christ. And talking about this issue of honesty, here's what he said. Honesty does not come out of nowhere. It is a product of your own moral convictions. But what do you do when your convictions are challenged? It is faith in Christ that gives you the strength to go on doing the right thing. Live your faith. Live your faith. Here's the last thing. Paul is saying this kind of thing. Do something with your life that benefits others. Self-centered people never end up happy. They never end up happy. They get the things they want. They, 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 they lavish themselves, but they never end up with the happiness that they really desire. First John, First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says, God has given to each of you some abilities. Be sure to use them to help others, to help each other. And Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 20, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. 
just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. You want to be great in your life, serve others. This is what he's saying. And then look what he says in Matthew chapter 23. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Have a purpose for your life that is greater than yourself. Let me tell you something. Don't put down this current generation. I'm talking about teenagers. I'm talking about young 20s. Don't put this generation down. More than any generation I've seen, this generation that is moving forward is a generation that, that wants to give their life away. They want to do things that mean something. They, they want to stand for what is wrong or against what is wrong. They want to stand for what is right. They, 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 want, they want equality for other people. They, they want to go and help people that are impoverished. They want to be there on the mission field. It is amazing this generation that is coming up. And I thank God every day for them. Thank God for this generation because they're living out what Jesus is talking about. Stop lavishing yourself with more and more and more. Have a purpose greater than yourself. Ordinary people committed to a great cause become great people. Be that. Proverbs 11 verse 27, if your goals are good, you will be respected. People will see it. Give it and shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall. People, others, give unto your lap. For with what measure you measure out, it'll be measured back to you again. Give yourself away, and you'll be the winner of it all. It's part of character. It's part of character. So now, here's my question to you. Here's my question. What's your character like? What does your family see? They know you, don't they? What do other people in your life see? No matter where we are today, we can be growing and deepening in our character if we choose I want to be a person of character. And I will choose the tiny little strands that mean nothing at the moment. I will begin changing. By the power of God's Spirit in my life, I'll begin changing to be like Jesus. Would you do that? You can't be like Jesus until you know him as your Savior. And if you haven't given your heart to him, give your heart to him today. Talk to one of our ministers online, Next Step Center. Online, Next Step Center. Give that call and talk to one of our pastors that you'll see information about in just a moment. And wherever you are, in person, you've got a Next Step Center physical and go and talk to one of our ministers. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We ask you, Father, would you move in our hearts that we would be more like you? That the little strands, the little things that mean nothing, we would begin to add them up to become a rope. That we would begin to grow and strive to be like Jesus in the tiniest things. And we'll celebrate because the bigger issues are coming. We'll learn how to celebrate victory because the bigger things are coming. Now, Father, I pray you'd move in hearts that don't know you, that this would be the day of salvation. This would be the day that say, I want to know the God who, who made me, who loves me, and I give my heart to Jesus Christ today. Oh, God, may many who are watching online and in person on one of our three, service, three campuses 
give their heart to Christ today, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.